Greetings, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. For this episode, we'll be interviewing an etiquette expert, also happens to be my cousin, Thomas Farley, also known as Mr. Manners, and finishing up with our very popular Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Jack. I'm Scott. And I'm Neil. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. To begin, I want to give a brief introduction of our guest today, Thomas Farley. Tommy's also known as Mr. Manners. Mr. Manners attended Fordham University. Today, he is known as an etiquette expert, a speaker, and author who has inspired audiences of all types to master essential communication strategies for success in the workplace and in life. Mr. Farley is also a regular and popular guest on the NBC Today Show, where he speaks on matters of modern-day etiquette. To learn more about Mr. Farley, you can see clips of his appearances as well as other content on Instagram and Twitter. His username is at Mr. Manners, M-I-S-T-E-R. M-A-N-N-E-R-S, or at his website, www.whatmannersmost.com. Tommy is also a cousin of our host, Jack, as Jack pointed out earlier in the introduction. Tommy, thanks for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and begin by mentioning anything we might have missed, and uh, let us say welcome to the show. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. It's, it's quite an honor, and I have to say, I love the podcast. It's a joy to be joining you, and... Uh, I think Jack, honestly, in the etiquette realm, he puts me to shame as my cousin. So <laughs> I, I, everything I learned, I learned from him. So uh, anything I can share above and beyond that will be my pleasure. But uh, I think Jack's got it all pretty down pat. Well, I'll begin with our first question. And this is something we're going to be asking all guests to the podcast. This has nothing to do with etiquette, but what is your favorite movie of all time and why? <laughs> well, knowing knowing the theme of your show, I have I have many. It's it's very hard for me to pin down to just one. But I got to say, my just go to feel good in the realm of this podcast is any of the Back to the Future trilogy. In particular, I'm I'm particularly fond of Back to the Future Two uh, because I love their jaunt into the future, and particularly since that future is now. Uh, seeing how so many of the things actually came true, unbeknownst to Robert Zemeckis at the time he made the movie, and uh, and Michael J. Fox is the star. Uh, but I just I love the John Williams score. I love I'm uh, in general I'm a very glass half full kind of person, and, and the idea of possibly a rosy future and not such a dystopian one, someone something that really excites me. So. When I'm ever feeling glum, I, I, I cannot watch that movie enough times. It, it always takes me out of any kind of funk I'm ever in. The Back to the Future trilogy is, for me, one, one of the greatest movie trilogies in history. It's something I never get tired of. You're right, the John Williams score is absolutely brilliant. And Back to the Future 2 is certainly one of the best sequels out there. It has a lot of rewatchability. I love their depiction of the future. And they got the Cubs winning the World Series. That's, that was yes. a big thing. That was huge. <laughs> that was huge. Exactly. Well, I have some questions. And, uh, Tommy, I'm expecting from the Stuff We Love segment, uh, the Nike Air Mags as your choice now uh, for, the, uh, for the item. Uh, and I'll be very jealous if you have those. I wish, uh, I, wish but, I had the budget to buy them. They're, they're pretty spectacular. They are. Uh, but I've been looking forward to asking you uh, a bunch of questions about etiquette. And uh, I guess I'll start it off with talking about modern technology and social media. Uh, a lot of communication now is done uh, not very in a, not in a very personal manner. It's through telephones. Uh, you're trying to get to know people and establish relationships without ever really having 
the natural way, I guess, quote unquote, of getting to know somebody. How has social media, how has technology changed etiquette? Well, I like to recommend for starters that people put other people over the pixels. So minimizing the screen time when you've got a human being in your midst. And that's, it's a difficult thing to do. And, and I, as much as I preach etiquette and I am a, a proponent of modern and contemporary applications of etiquette, and frankly, it's not the technology itself that's bad, it's how we use it. Uh, I do think that it's largely responsible for a lot of the disconnection that we have in our culture today. And it's, there's an irony in that because these are communication platforms. We've got more means of communicating than we ever had before. Every person has in their pockets an ability to reach out pretty much to anybody across the world to see the face and as we're doing here on, on Skype, uh, connect with anyone. And yet, I think so many of us are feeling really disconnected from our manners and from the people in our lives. And I think social media has absolutely accelerated that trend and I think exacerbated it too. So there's the silver lining, there's the good, there's the bad, but I think when it comes to etiquette, I think etiquette is really struggling to keep up with all the technologies that we've embraced into our lives in the last 10 years. And and Thanks. Tommy, talking about that progression over the last 10 years, I my Stuff We Love segment today, a little bit of a, a spoiler on that, is a Westworld TV show I've been watching, which mm -hmm. many of you are probably all familiar with it. But the basic plot is they create a world where there's uh, robots that look, feel, do everything like humans would. And while that's still very off in the future, we have seen, you know, progression of like, ro you know, introductions to robot humans. What has been like the progression in terms of speed in the past 10 years and accelerating the trend between like, obviously we had like human interactions, then we had telephones, and we had like smartphones. How much has it been uh, speeding up over the past, like even two years? And would you say that trend has been like alarming or predictable? And, and how is it affecting uh, human interactions as a whole? Well, I think something that I, I don't know if you've talked about it yet on the podcast, perhaps you have, is uh, Google's new technology, the natural speech technology with the voice recognition, where you can actually have uh, effectively Siri uh, speaking to uh, another human being without the human being even knowing that they're speaking effectively to a computer to make reservations at a Chinese restaurant, to uh, call to make a haircut appointment. And I think that is just staggering. And the etiquette ramifications for that are, you know, if you think that you're speaking to a human being, what's the responsibility of the person who's initiating the call to let the person know that, in fact, they're not speaking to a human being at all? It may sound like one. It may even have, uh, you know, slang like one. Uh, but that is something that I had not even envisioned, uh, you know, a year ago that we were this close to being able to do that. I was mesmerized listening to those audio clips. So yes, Jack, I think it is accelerating by leaps and bounds. And I think with every year, it's just the pace of the world is operating at a, high, a much faster speed. And the technology, even for, you know, geeks, like if I can call all of us geeks, because I think we kind of all are, uh, I think even for geeks like us, it's it's hard to stay on top of the advances because they're coming at us so rapidly. And so, frankly, in, in a lot of cases, etiquette does not stand a chance. It's because it's always playing catch up. Uh, Tommy, one of the things that I read in a recent book about the world of modern romance and what it's like to date in the 21st century is that the author, who is the actor and comedian Aziz Ansari, who wrote it with, uh, I believe, a psychologist, he uh, conducted a focus group where he took a group of young people, put them on one side of a room, and 
took their parents and put their parents on the other side of the room and was going to be asking them questions about their approaches to dating and how the parents met their spouse and what the younger people were looking for in a partner. And he observed that before the focus group started, the parents who were didn't know each other, everybody was parents of different kids, started talking to one another, but that the young people, all of them were just wrapped up in their phones and tablets and not interacting with one another. So from an etiquette perspective, what do you think the long-term consequences are of young people not really having those face-to-face engagement skills that older generations have? I think it's really alarming. It's, it's really concerning to me. And it, frankly, in a lot of the workshops that I do, this is one of the biggest topics that comes up. And although, uh, you know, the millennial generation, I think, gets slammed a lot of times unfairly for this, because it's not just millennials who are uh, disconnecting. It's frankly, it's all generations that are doing it. Um, but I think at least the older generations have the benefit of having known those other types of communication, whereas, you know, millennials and certainly Generation Z coming up uh, does not know life pre-smartphone, does not know a card catalog. And you know what? There are a lot of things that why would we ever want to go back? Why would we ever want to go back to, you know, a, having to go to a gas station and, and get a foldable map to figure out where you were going? I mean, GPS is clearly superior, but I think we're we're losing the human contact, I think that's, it's disconcerting. And, and I, what I fear truly is that it's, once it's gone, it's very hard to recapture. And I think as AI gets smarter and smarter and smarter with each passing year, I think our need to actually interact with another human being will nearly vanish. And that I think is, is unfortunate. I don't think, I don't think the communication technologies are bringing us together as a people, as Mm -hmm human beings. uh, And that is something that I think bears discussion, serious discussion. Have you seen a a change in dating etiquette and uh, uh, any cardinal rules around that or any or just what your thoughts are on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, the world of dating is is unrecognizable from what it was even 10 years ago, Uh, you know, with with apps like Tinder and Hinge and Coffee and a Bagel. Uh, okay, Cupid, just completely changing the landscape where, uh, you know, and I think in some ways it's, it's good that somebody wants to ask someone out on a date, doesn't have to be sweating bullets, petrified, standing by, you know, their parents' house phone while the whole family is gathered around. And, you know, you're wondering, how do I, how do I get up the guts to do this? Now, you know, you know, is the person in a relationship? Uh, what type of person are they seeking? Uh, you know, swiping left or swiping right on a screen is a whole lot easier than going up and asking someone to dance uh, at the, you know, at the high school, uh, you know, fall dance. But with that said, I, I do think that uh, we are treating people in a more disposable manner. And I, I think that's bad. I think the commodification of dating is not a positive development. I, I love the accessibility of it. I love, uh, you know, you're not restricted to the you know, the 10 people who might be of interest to you in your high school, you've got a whole universe, literally, of people across the globe who you might connect with that you might find a love connection with. And that's great. But to the fact that, you know, somebody doesn't have exactly the right hair color or somebody doesn't, you know, and I think I think people are, you know, I mean, there's a whole host of new dating terms like uh, ghosting and catfishing. And, uh, you know, I, they're basically, they're all to describe uh, behaviors that are pretty negative about how people are being treated with disrespect because you know what, 
it's harder to do something nasty to someone in terms of being disrespectful when your only connection with them is virtual um, as opposed to face-to-face. You probably never do these things. So I think that's, uh, you know, we have more options than ever before, just like with communicating in any platform, as I was saying earlier. But I think that's also given us many more ways of disregarding people and treating them like, well, you know, you're fine for now, but here's the next best thing. So adios, uh, you know, I'm swiping left on you. And, and I think that's negative. Tommy, building off of what you just said there, I have several friends who are in their 20s and 30s living in New York City, and they're single. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I've heard from them is that it's exactly kind of what you were just uh, speaking of, which is that on one hand, there are many options available to me, or me, me, me meaning them, that my parents' generation didn't have. And it's, it's in some ways easier to meet people online certainly is than ever before. But there is that sort of negative thing where they feel that because they're living in New York City, and this applies probably to any big city in the country, if the person they're out with doesn't feel immediately this intense connection to them or doesn't, if they're just not into that person, they are in that person's mind disposable, which is a terrible term to use, but that's the way it makes these people feel. And it's like there's plenty of fish in the sea. You know, I'm not into you. I'm not going to pursue this and on to the next one. So they've had a very difficult time entering into relationships from dating apps that are now available online. Yeah. And I think this speaks to, again, even broader applications than just dating. But I think our our brain chemistry is changing. It literally changing. I mean, this is not just pseudoscience. So the way people date today is different because their brain chemistry is different because our attention spans are so much shorter. And the idea that you, you know, get tired of texting someone or interacting on a dating app and you just move on to the next shiny objects that catches your attention. I mean, that is, those are the new rules. And, uh, you know, so I consider it my role as much as I possibly can. I mean, it's, you know, salmon swimming up upstream, but I think it's important for us to realize that a lot of the, the, you know, the rules of chivalry, you know, the holding doors for, you know, somebody when she, you know, the woman, when she walks into the room, I think those, those little touches are still important. So no, I'm not saying let's, let's all go back to our, our flip phones, but I, you know, or, or a landline with a rotary dial. But I think there are still ways to be a person who values and not just a gentleman, anybody who values chivalry and good manners and good etiquette while loving and embracing technology. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. As I said before, it's not the technology that's bad. It's how we use it. So I think it's, it's really, it's important on all of us to harness a lot of those old school touches but to use the new technology in a way that honors uh, the old etiquette that we used to follow that's kind of gotten, you know, it's now in the dustbin in a lot of cases. And Tommy, speaking of those apps, would you say, you know, based on everything you're talking about, do you recommend for people who are trying, you know, be respectful and, you know, uh, when it comes to relationships that they even be on those apps or any of those apps even efficient for building relationships? Or would you say that in the current landscape, the apps that are available today aren't suitable for, you know, forming, uh, you know, lasting significant relations, uh, you know, in, in the 21st century? It's, it's a challenge. It's, it's definitely a challenge. I would say you don't necessarily have to not use the apps. And frankly, if you're a young person in your twenties, it really is the only way. And especially if you're an urban dweller, it's going to be the primary way that you're going to have a social life and maybe a great social life. You, maybe you're going to have a date every night of the week, 
but those dates are not going to pan out into anything. So I, I would not say close off that option. Uh, but if I'm using the app as somebody who's single and out dating, I would want to do it considerately and respect the other individual. Um, but I think, frankly, most of what I hear are the some of the best relationships are the ones that happen from a face to face chance meeting rather than being on an app. But I don't I don't think you have to do one or the other. I think you can do both. Over time, it seems like cursing and uh, has become more uh, uh, widely seen, whether it be in TV and different type of networks on TV, it's uh, music um, and just in use of everyday dialogue. Do you have you noticed a change in um, the frequency of cursing and also about whether it's become more acceptable now than it was previously, or has that not changed at all? Is it still um, uh, more in lines with being unacceptable? Some of the some of the complaints that we hear voiced today about how you know kids today they have no manners. Uh, this is something that you will find in text from two or three hundred years ago. Uh, so the idea, and you know, there's there's that Billy Joel song, which I love the line that says. You know, the good old days weren't always so good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems, uh, you know, and that's an old song now. But I think it, it bears wisdom for us today because we tend to look at the, at the, you know, the good old days, the olden days as times when things were perfect. And I think the same goes true for manners, too. I mean, you can go way back. You go to the Middle Ages when the, you didn't have a napkin when you were dining. You had a giant basically and effectively a blanket that was hanging on the wall that everybody at the meal would go and swipe over their mouth, and nobody had an individual individual napkin. You had, you could talk about an age when forks were considered a sign of the devil, and so you, and particularly the Catholic Church was very against the use of a fork at a dining table. So, uh, you know, uh, this concept that uh, you know things were just wonderfully perfect in maybe this kind of 1950s way that seems to be that rarefied ideal. I think that's a little bit of a misperception. So there's there's that. However, I agree. I think that we do have a great de- a degree of casualness that has entered our culture, whether we're talking about the way people dress. Uh, you know, you see how somebody dresses when they're going to a Broadway show, for example, uh, wearing jeans and a T-shirt that would have never, ever been considered acceptable even 20 or 30 years ago. And I think language, absolutely. I think you know, you could find cursing sailors on a on a dock, uh, you know, a hundred years ago easily if you wanted to. But now I think we've just got it's 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 just out there more. It's it's on Twitter. It's it's on social media. It's in our music. So I think it's I think it's more in our face than it ever has before been before. And I think uh, you know even not to get into politics, but I think the political landscape has brought uh, a lot of just crassness. Uh, that, you know, there may have been things going on behind closed doors, but it was never so in our faces as a culture. And I think that is also unfortunate because I think it's very hard to put that genie back into the bottle. I think once it's out, I don't know that you can ever return to what what it was before. Uh, Tommy, it's interesting. My wife and I were out to dinner a couple of months ago at a nice restaurant, and it was relatively quiet. It was late at night during a week weeknight, so it was not a busy time for the restaurant and there was a table right next to us there were four guys sitting at the table and they were consistently using the most profane language in a very loud tone and one of the things about the presence of that in society is that it puts people like me that night who are hearing it in an uncomfortable situation because 
we're trying to have a nice date night. We don't necessarily, but we don't want to confront them because right. we don't know if they're drinking excessively. And if we, and then when the restaurant's empty, if we went and told the manager, it'd be pretty obvious that we did that as well. So it's an interesting uh, conundrum for other people. Uh, sort of like you take your kids to a sporting event and there's people cursing around you. What do you do? Yeah. You yeah. don't want to confront the person that you go to security and so forth. So it's an unfortunate side effect of, uh, of that in our society. Yeah, I think that that quote, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get it right exactly. But, uh, you know, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing, uh, I think is applicable here. And so I always tell people, good manners doesn't mean that you need to be a doormat. So if you feel somebody's being unruly or offensive, yes, I think it's smart. You don't always want to engage because you might, you know, wind up with a with a broken nose uh, if you do so. But I think there are always there's someone in that arena who, ha, you know, whether it's a baseball arena or whether it's a movie theater, who has responsibility for keeping the peace and making sure people follow certain standards. And mm -hmm. if you're not comfortable speaking up, I think to the individual, I think it's you're going to be the hero of the area where you're sitting because I'm sure there are others who are thinking exactly the same thing as you are right. and you should not have to suffer in silence. Scott, I'm sure you could have taken all four of those guys. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe if Neil was with me. <laughs> uh, Tommy, there was an article that I read this weekend. I believe it was from the Daily Mail, the British publication, and it was uh, featuring a, a manners expert who has advised the royal family at times on manners that should be taught to young children. So my next question is, for parents of young children who are listening to the show, what do you consider to be the essential manners and etiquette skills that they should teach their kids while they're young? I was thinking of maybe 10 or younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And I say it's, frankly, it's never never too early to start. Once once a child is old enough to speak, uh, I think you are, you are ready to start teaching manners. So it really begins with the basics. And frankly, if, if people could follow these basics throughout their lives, I think our culture would be such a better place. And I think it really starts with please, sorry, thank you, and excuse me. And if you can master those four concepts as a young child and embrace what they mean, I think you are well on your way. Uh, and again, Emily Post, who was kind of a, um, a real icon of etiquette in the early 20th century, she has a quote that I love, which again, I'm not gonna be quoting it exactly, but it's essentially that uh, the best manners of all are showing respect for other people regardless of whether you know what fork to use. So, you know, here's someone who made her livelihood writing arcane etiquette books, and yet still the number one rule for her was treating people with respect and kindness. And that's really, that is why etiquette exists. It's etiquette should not ever exist to make somebody feel uh, foolish that they don't know what to do or that somebody knows better and they lord that over the other person in a way that you know, they're acting in a superior fashion. That's, that's not it at all. It's to give everybody a playbook so that when we're in unfamiliar territory, when we're at a wedding, we've never been to a wedding before. When we're at a funeral, we've never been to, a, you know, it's our first funeral. What do you wear? What do you say? How do you act? These are, these are situations where people feel uncomfortable and etiquette is intended to give people, uh, you know, a common level playing ground. And that is how etiquette is best applied. And, and if I were teaching etiquette to a young child, that would be one of the first things that I would say. We don't use this information to make our friends feel bad or stupid because they don't know which fork to use and they don't know which bread is theirs. We do this so that everybody feels comfortable when they're around us. Mm -hmm. So Tommy, about like the modern workplace, what would you say is like the best piece of advice to give to any 
any person really who's working in a 21st century workspace when there is so much uh, tension surrounding interactions in the in you know in the workspace what was the, what is the best piece of advice to really ensure that uh, all interactions are going to be you know healthy and appropriate yeah yeah great question jack so when i do workshops around the country and i and i face this issue continually the number one biggest complaint i get from people is it it has something to do with email and so my best advice would be email as little as you possibly can. People tend to think every interaction, every conversation, every matter needs to be put on email. And frankly, that everybody needs to be CC'd or maybe even BCC'd on these emails. When in fact, it could be handled through a voice conversation, a face-to-face conversation. If you work in the same office or pick up the phone and call the person, I find that there's so much that gets lost in translation with email. And again, if this were 25 years ago, maybe getting an email and hearing, you know, you've got mail would, you know, send a a shiver of joy up your spine. But there's nobody in the corporate workplace today who feels, oh, gosh, I don't get enough email. I wish I got more. That's just I mean, that's that's not our reality. So I think the the less emailing we can do, the better. It's it's fewer misunderstood um, uh, contexts. People thinking somebody's too terse, think people's thinking somebody's too wordy. And I, I think it's it's a fraught medium. And I think again, for the the new generation just coming out of school and going into the workplace, young people do not use email to communicate with one another. They use everything but email. They text, they use Snapchat, they use Instagram, uh, amongst other platforms. But they're not emailing when they're making plans with one another, and suddenly they're thrust into a workplace where they're expected to understand a whole code of email etiquette that even the generation Xers and baby boomers don't haven't mastered themselves. So my best advice, long answer, Jack, I'm sorry to your very short question is, uh, I would say do as little emailing as you possibly can. It's funny because when I email for work, I'll reread the email I type before I send it and think sometimes I'm being too stern or f- formal and that's not what I want to convey. So then I'll add a couple of exclamation points in there and then it looks ridiculous. But <laughs> right. I end up using that one because it just, tr- I think, conveys good feelings and good wishes. But it's, there's something, you're, you're absolutely right. There's something a little bit not right about using email for certain types of co- conversations. I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's an asynchronous way of communicating. So you're putting something out there you're having to wait. And what does this lead to? It leads to the email two days later that you're writing that says, just checking in to make sure you got my email. And of course, of course they did, but either you were too wordy or they don't have the answers or they're avoiding your questions. Whereas if you saw the person face to face or picked up the phone and spoke to them live, you're getting the answers you need in real time. And, you know, go figure what a, what a wonderful idea that is rather than have to wait around until somebody has the time to answer your questions. Right. Tommy, uh, can I ask you, are there any uh, public figures that you have viewed as inspirations or uh, role models in the world of etiquette? There may not be. I just uh, thought I'd ask. Gosh. Uh, well, I have to say, I, so I do tra- I travel a ton for work, and I just got back from Gettysburg, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, it was my first time visiting the battleground there, which just moved me in in ways I could not have imagined. And I have to say, I I really, you know, Honest Abe, who was, Abraham Lincoln was so, uh, I think he's just such a wonderful exemplar as president, as a statesman, 
as someone who really was dealing with a very difficult situation in the country. And I think his words were well chosen. I think they were eloquent. Uh, and I think he, uh, he had a lot on his plate and I think he guided us through a very, very difficult time. So although he's not really considered somebody who would be an etiquette, um, maven, um, and in fact, he came from a simple Illinois, uh, Illinois log cabin and probably didn't know what fork to use, at least when he was starting out. Uh, to me, I think he had, uh, some of the best etiquette of all. Tommy, I have a question also relating to convenience in the 21st century in terms of an app i use a lot uber uh i have a lot of key questions when it comes to that the the one that always stands out to me is i use it a lot as a passenger and i always when i obviously when i get the uh when the ride's coming to pick me up and i'm approaching the car typically it's easy to identify the car and you know me especially since i live in a pretty suburban area so it's unlikely that someone who looks like me is going to be in the same you know place i always wonder i heard it's pretty rude or at least considered rude in other states and other countries to not sit in the passenger seat when it comes to uber but i almost always sit in the back seat just because a lot of times the drivers will have the the passenger seat uh pushed forward purposely so i think to to just make it easier to move you into the back seat or sometimes i've opened the door and they've had like stuff on the seat and then they move it away but then i feel bad about it and then like especially if it's an uber that um a lot of the drivers don't don't talk at all and so then it's just extremely awkward when you're sitting there the whole time mm -hmm. and so you know i'm sure you've talked about this what is the advice for handling uber uh in in the modern day that's I love that question, Jack. I think it's it's um, I so I use rideshare services a lot uh, as a New York City resident. I'm in Lyft uh, rides. I'm in Uber rides. I'm in Via is another one we have in New York City. Um, and no, I think you are absolutely right to be sitting in the back seat. It's too friendly. It's too familiar to presume that you should be. That's the driver's uh, sanctum uh, to be up there. He or she may have water bottle or, or folders or something on that front seat that they should not have to be moving. Now, if it's a big group of you, if there are only enough seats, if you also sit in the front, then I actually think it's the polite thing to do for your friends to be the one that, that takes one for the team and is the one who sits in the front seat rather than in the back seat. Uh, but otherwise, if, you, if you're a solo passenger, uh, my guidelines for you in a shared ride, number one, uh, make sure you greet the driver by name. You've got the name in the app. I think that's important to do rather than just getting in and saying, you know, uh, you know, hi, or not, or not saying anything at all. Um, and I think you don't need to make a massive conversation, but I think asking somebody how they're doing or, you know, hope, that, hope they're having a good day so far or comment about the weather. I think that's an appropriate thing to do. I think you certainly want to, again, thank the driver when you're getting out of the vehicle. And this is something that I hear is one of the biggest gripes of drivers is passengers who slam the door when they leave. So just be mindful of closing the door gently when you get out of the car. And also, if, if it's a shared ride, I, I'm, Jack, I'm guessing you're not sharing rides with other passengers that you don't know. But if you're doing the, the shared ride option where other people are kind of getting in and out as you're going along your journey, I think it's important to greet them too. I mean, again, we're not robots you know, sitting in this vehicle. We are human beings. And you don't have to get into a rip-roaring conversation, but if you don't look up from your phone and you just stare down and uh, you know act as if there's not another person in the vehicle with you, I think I think that's very inconsiderate. So let's acknowledge one another, um, it, but that doesn't mean you need to get into a massive conversation. Tommy, uh, my last question for you is on something that has confused me as a traveler, and I don't really know how to handle it or what's expected in society. In my experience staying at hotels, 
uh, when I, le- let's say I valet park my car at the hotel and I'm leaving to go somewhere and the car pulls up, I usually tip the driver that brought the car. Yet, uh, when I return to the hotel from whatever, wherever it is that I went to, if someone comes over and gets the door for me or gets the door for my wife, I don't tip them and I don't tip them as they drive the car away. What's the general tipping etiquette for situations like that? I never understood. Are people expected to tip when they arrive at a hotel and someone gets the door for them? Or is it really more on the departure that tipping occurs? Depends on what kind of a car you're driving, is my advice. Mm. So if you are driving a, you know, your car is your baby and it's your, maybe it's your DeLorean. uh, (laughs) I am tipping on the way in. I'm tipping on the way out. I'm tipping in between. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that that car is treated, uh, you know, with kid gloves, uh, you know, times 10. Yes. Uh, other, other than that, typically the tip is given on the way where you are retrieving your car and going off somewhere. So rather than tipping when you're leaving the car with the valet, you would tip the car when the valet has brought the car around for you. That's that would be the the kind of more standard protocol, right? And uh, you know, in that way, it's it's fair because uh, you know, unless it's a strange time of day, most valets are both parking and retrieving cars, so the tips are shared fairly. One thing that a lot of people don't know, and this maybe is would be good information to have, is tipping the housekeeper in a hotel. Now, most people know, yes, that is something they should do, and they tip based on the number of days they have stayed there. And they often save those gratuities until the very end of the stay. When in fact, what I recommend highly is tipping each day. Mm. So if you are staying in a hotel for four days, you tip each and every day when you leave that room. Uh, and again, I, I assure you, your towels will be fluffier, your your you know pens will be replaced, your shampoos will be you know shinier. Uh, and that way you really ensure that the person who cleaned your, you know, I mean, imagine if you went to a restaurant and you said, well, I'm coming back tomorrow anyway, so I'm not going to leave a tip today. I'll just leave a tip for, you know, the two days meals tomorrow for whatever server I get tomorrow. Well, that wouldn't be fair. So, so tip each day, but leave a note because it's a lot of people don't do this. Leave a note that says, you know, to the maid, thank you and have your money there. So they you know, are not accused of grabbing some spare dollar that you just happened to leave there. Right. Uh, do it in no uncertain terms. I definitely need to travel with more cash when I go to Florida later this summer then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tommy, uh, speaking of traveling, is there, um, do you have any advice if you're traveling internationally where there might be uh, different etiquette rules or uh, uh, you want to pay respect to uh, uh, whether it be culturally or just the location changes? Do you have any must-dos uh, that you recommend before traveling internationally? Yeah. So, uh, you know, certainly the, the customs and mores are different from country to country. And, and there are things, there are a whole uh, host of things that people would not necessarily think of. So, uh, it's not, you know, language is an obvious one. And I think it's important for us to try and learn at least a few words of the local language. But there are other things that, that don't often enter the equation, such as your clothing, not just how formal you are. And that, again, that is going to vary greatly depending on what country you're traveling to. But even something as seemingly silly as the colors you wear in the country where you're traveling. So in Asia, for example, where, uh, you know, the color white symbolizes death in Colombia, where to wear their flag colors, which are green and yellow, would be seen as highly unusual unless you were wearing a a soccer jersey. 
you would, you know, whereas here we wear red, white, and blue, don't think twice about it. So I think, uh, you know, from the food to the language to uh, gift giving traditions, if you have a host, somebody who's going to be putting you up, there are a whole uh, set of criteria that I think are really important for people to know before they go. And there are some great guides. There's, there's in fact, there's a book I absolutely love called Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands. And it's more for business travelers, but it's a country-by-country country look at the way each uh, nation around the world handles, including the United States, handles uh, certain interactions that might be foreign to us as a first-time visitor. Your answer for me on that travel question was very helpful. That definitely changes, I think, the way I'm going to look at things when traveling because I that really did confuse me. I didn't know how to handle certain situations. Uh, so that's that definitely has me thinking. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah Tommy, thanks. Uh, a lot of these things uh, that we discussed, uh, and there's so much more to, to speak about, uh, a lot of times uh, what's great about what you do is that there aren't really resources that you could uh, ask that are – uh, easy to find uh, and, and really knowledgeable. And uh, so to have your expertise and to be accessible like this is uh, really appreciated and, and very useful. So thank you. It's my pleasure. I think it's just important for people to know that when they hear that word etiquette, they think, oh no, why do I ever need this? And this is fussy nonsense that I'll only need if I ever meet the Queen of England. <laughs> but it really is. It's everyday situations where this comes into play. And I, I can't tell you, I get so many questions through my website and through social media. And of, and of course, your listeners are more than free to do the same. Happy to uh, hear from any of them who have their own questions. But I think people generally want to do the right thing, but there are a lot of situations where they just don't know what that is. And so any bit of guidance I can give people to help them on that path is it's my privilege. For Thanks, sure. Tom. And I'd, I'd, I'd also note that um, it's talking about progressing into a different age where things that were important aren't done as much. I think it's also important to note that a lot of these things, while they might not seem you know, huge, they really do add up, like you were saying, and they can have a lot more significance than you think. Like, and It can really affect someone's day, whether or not you say thank you, whether or not you accidentally slam a door. And so I'd really say that like, uh, even for me, I didn't realize how really important these things are. And one of those uh, tips that you recommended for hotels tipping each night, I think that's pure genius. I, 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 like I actually, I actually think that's going to have a huge impact on your stay. So thanks for all the answers. They've been really effective, really helpful. And definitely for any of the viewers interested in finding out more about uh, any other etiquette rules or any tips that, or questions they have for themselves, they can feel free to check out the website we mentioned earlier, which is um, uh, – Scott, you want to repeat it for them? www.whatmannersmost.com and you can follow Mr. Manners on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Manners. That's the name. And uh, I follow him on social media and really enjoy it. So I encourage all of our listeners to do the same. Thank you. Perfect. At this point in the show, it is time to transition to our ever popular Stuff We Love segment. Let's talk about some stuff we love. For my Stuff We Love segment this week, I'm going to speak about the Bill Simmons podcast. He did a crossover episode with another podcast called The Rewatchables, where the hosts go back and watch older movies and talk about them. This episode was devoted to the movie Jaws, which is a great Steven Spielberg film, great classic horror movie, great summer movie as well. And this is one of my favorite films that I've seen countless numbers of times. But what I really liked about this particular podcast episode is that Bill Simmons and the hosts of the Rewatchables podcast 
got into the backstory of uh, how the movie was filmed, technology that was used at the time, how despite the fact it's older technology, it holds up today, especially in an age where there are great TVs to watch the movie on, HD TVs and so forth. Uh, and it taught me some things about Jaws that I never knew. And it was a combination of funny and interesting and exciting. So I really enjoyed that podcast episode. That's the Bill Simmons podcast talking about the great film Jaws. For, for my stuff uh, we love this week, uh, I actually am always trying out new workout gear. And uh, uh, this week I was checking out Under Armour released a new collection in collaboration with The Rock. And I have to say I really enjoyed it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of The Rock, as we spoke about before in his movies. But uh, the workout gear that Under Armour released has been really enjoyable. And I definitely want to check out The Rock's headphones that are uh, that got great reviews for, for working out. I haven't had a chance to do that yet, but they were just released. Uh, but uh, I'm checking out the Under Armour gear so far and really enjoying it. Perfect. So for my Stuff We Love segment, I'll keep it brief because I know we're going to be talking about these movies on a later episode. But I saw recently saw Ant-Man and the Wasp as well as The Purge. And uh, The Purge, I'll just give a quick quick little blurb. While definitely, in my opinion, doesn't beat some of the past Purge movies, it's definitely a good addition to the franchise. It was really enjoyable and uh, keeps in the same theme of those movies being entertaining, action-packed, while still giving you a little bit of that horror, uh, horror aspect that you're used to. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp was just a really solid movie. I mean, Marvel has just been uh, hitting the nail on the head uh, repeatedly with Infinity War, with Homecoming, with uh, Ragnarok. They've just been doing it again and again, and this is no exception they have a good balance of an interesting plot uh, good character development and really uh, a lot of funny uh, po points in the movie a lot of humor and so it makes the movie really enjoyable it's a really solid movie and while i won't spoil it i'll say that i highly recommend you stick around for the two end credit scenes after the movie there's a pretty big reveal during one of them so thanks jack and tommy so I'm probably not quite as au courant as the three of you uh, because I travel so much. I have to do a lot of my binge watching, you know, sometimes weeks or months after everybody's already plowed through a series. But I just finally finished watching uh, the, the reboot of Lost in Space on Netflix. And I absolutely love it. I think, and I'm a big, big Netflix watcher, but I think the, the amount of budget, the special effects they have put into this show, when I think of, I wasn't around for the first show, the first series, but I've seen clips on YouTube and it's so primitive looking. This show is just, it's dynamite. It looks great. The acting is fantastic. I can't wait till the next season. Uh, and um, if, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. And thank you again, uh, Tommy, Mr. Manners, for coming on the show. We really appreciate your being here tonight. Uh, we all learned a lot about etiquette this episode, and we know our listeners will as well. So thank you again. Thank you all. It was a pleasure. And uh, as we close out the show, I'll just mention where our listeners can find us. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod. On Instagram, our name is Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page, and we encourage all of you to go and like it. We're posting content there on a pretty regular basis. We have a website, www.stuffwelovepodcast.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on there, read our blog, which is being updated pretty regularly, and visit our products page where you'll see links to things that we talk about on the show. Uh, we have an email, stuffwelovepodcast.gmail.com. Please feel free to write in and tell us what you think about the show. And finally, we'd like you to go on iTunes and leave those five-star reviews. Not only does it make us happy, but it makes it easier for other listeners to find our show. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Tommy. I'm Scott. I'm Neil. And I'm Jack. And you've been listening to the Stuff We Love podcast.